Good evening. Before we're ready to get started tonight. We're learning Maseches Pesachim Daf Nun Gimel. Just to chart the course for the next few days. Um, the next few blood are a little complex in, in their size. Tonight's not so bad. We'll finish at the bottom of Nun Gimel. Tomorrow is Thursday, but if you look at Thursday's blot uh, to get uh, all of Nun Dalid and Nun Hamid Aleph is a lot. We, we should get close. Shabbos will be a real, uh, that's a real test. However, the good news is that on the top of Nun Zion and the Bays, it's a super short blot. So I will be uh, split, splitting up the blot in a little bit of a different way over the coming days to make sure that sanity prevails while we still will be on, on task by the time I, I go out of town. So hopefully Sunday night, we should be totally aligned. Um, tonight will be aligned, but uh, tomorrow night in Shabbos and Sunday, I'm going to be doing, being a little bit different in my differentiations. So tonight we're beginning on Nun Gimel and Aleph about 10 lines down. We're going to be learning uh, a sugya, a little bit of a continuing sugya about what the parameters are from when a food is considered to have stopped growing as it relates to Shviz. Then we're going to be learning a new Mishnah uh, toward the bottom of the page about Minagam Makom. Uh, we'll be dealing a little bit about uh, foods that appear to be uh, uh, Kodshim, appear to be Kodshim, and we'll discuss that. And then the next Mishnah on the next page, which we're going to learn as well, is about the minig of not lighting, uh, not lighting candles or lighting candles on Yom Kippur as a minig to prevent a couple from violating the Isra of Tash Mishamita, one of the Chamesha Sinuyim. So let's get started. Ten lines down. Tanurabana, the rabbis have taught us. They used to have these types of wood poles that would hold up um, the, the grapes. And when the when the, the grapes on those poles would would be kalu, when they would finish growing, so then that would be the point at which point the food would become shviz. If there's anything that's a little bit later, if there's anything left over, any grapes at all, then then shviz has not kicked in yet. No din of biur. Ochlin bezeisim. What about olives? Ashiich laachron shibit tekoa in the city of Tekoa. That's where they used as their measure. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Ashiich laachron shel gush chalav. Gush chalav is a physical location, um, and it appears there that there's um, what looks to be like milk that kind of runs down the mountains. It's not. It just has a white look to it. So it's had a, the name of gush chalav. And the measure there is kadeshi yehei ani yotze veino motze lo benofa v'lo beikaru rova that you can't find on the branches. You can't find by the root a rova, a certain measure of um, of olives, which would then, because you can't find it, so therefore we've triggered the, the, the requirement of biur as it relates to shavis, as it relates to shemitah. Next, uh, continuing in the b'risa, ochlin big rogaris, you can eat dried figs, ajichlu page beishini, until uh, the smaller page beishini are some the diminished form of dates. Uh, when those run out, so then the halacha is that shviz for uh, for grogeris for dried figs kicks in. That wasn't really mentioned for the din of shviz. That was only mentioned because of meiser. After all, page beishini the ahini de tuvina. These two different types of um, uh, of figs chayavin be Continuing in the brisa, ochlin you can eat dates at sheich laachron shevet zohar until all of them in the city of zohar have been completed. Rashbag Omer, and we saw this on the top of Nun Beis and Beis yesterday. Rashbag Omer, Ochlen al shel ben hakipen. You can eat the ones that are, uh, you can still consider it to be low kalu, that the food hasn't finished growing as long as the, the fruits are ben hakipen, they're between the branches. However, ve'in ochlen al shel ben hashitzen. You, you are not allowed to eat if, what's, if the only thing that's left is that which is among the thorns. Now, all of this, this whole brisa, to summarize in a sentence, gives us agricultural markers for when the chiyuv of shviz kicks in. This uh, location has 
We know in, in Tekoa, it, they're agricultural uh, identifiers that tell us when it kicks in. However, Uriminhi, we have a, another source in the Tanaim that does not seem to be agricultural at all. In fact, it seems to be a little bit different. It seems to be that it's all about time and not agriculture. What does it say? Uriminhi, the Brisa writes halfway down in Gimel Amanala to contrast the last 10 lines we just saw. Here's a very different version. Ochlen vanavim ada Pesach. Forget about the poles and when the grapes uh, when the grapes stop growing. No, that's not that's not the measure. The measure is time. It's Pesach. With olives, it's until Shavuos. The grogres ad hachanaka. A rare mention of Hanukkah in the sources in the Tanaim. We, of course, we know the famous Gemara in Paragvamim Adlikin that we had some sources in the time about Hanukkah, an uncommon reference by grogres by dried figs until Hanukkah. But Tuarim uh, he switched the two times of Hanukkah and Purim for the last two. But what do we see in here? What we see here is a little bit different. The first Brisa indicated that it all depends on the agriculture. And the agriculture there indicated that when every fruit by its own location, by its own agriculture, that's what would determine uh, the point at which it became a chayev for beer when it would uh, then need to be burned. However, here it's just calendaric. So it's agricultural is the first brisa. The second brisa is calendaric. You just look at the calendar. Is it Hanukkah yet? Is it Purim yet? Yes or no? It's not about how many grapes are left on the vine. It's not about how many olives you can collect, a rova or not a rova. So these two brisas have two totally different drachim and they conflict with one another. Do we say that the trigger that brings the food of Shvius into Biur? Do we say that that trigger is agricultural or do we say that it's calendar? So the Gemara provides two answers. Last of the short lines is answer number one. No, 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 come on. They're just, they're just one and the same. It doesn't mean to, doesn't mean to, to separate itself in that way. And because of that, they really are the same exact thing. And the second answer would be, no, really the, 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 there's a blending of the two brises. Yes, the rule is calendaric. Yes, the second price is the primary. However, if it happens to be that after the calendar date, there still are some leftover fruits, then we go to the first brisa and we say, if it's going to be grapes, it's going to be on the poles. If it's going to be olives, we're going to follow Tekoa. So these two brises don't agree with one another. These two answers don't agree with one another. The first answer says they're exactly the same, which means that once you hit the calendaric date, there's never a leniency afterwards. However, according to the second answer of the Gemara, and this really crystallizes the, the way to understand it. The second answer of the Gemara is that we, we couple the two brises together. They're not the same. They are one after the other. Namely, yes, calendaric is the minimum. However, it's possible that there will still be grapes, still be olives, still be dried figs afterwards. When do we have to stop eating them and say that they're chayv and biur? That's only going to be in a scenario where, um, where there's nothing left on the vine. And that's how the Gemara answers that. Uh, Tanya, the brisa writes, Rav Shem ben Gamliel Omer, Simen laharim, simen laharim milin. The way that we know that there's a mountain is because of milin, a tree that grows some kind of nuts. That's what the Mephorshim right here. We'll see what all of this means shortly. Simen laamakim. How do we know that there's something that's called a valley? Because to Kalim, there's trees that grow there. There's palm trees. Simen lanchalim kanim. When we talk about water beds, there's going to be kanim. There's going to be reeds. Simen lishvala, lishvela shikma. Um, for the flat grounds, we have shikma, sycamore tree. And even though there's no raya that we define these places with these types of vegetation, even though there's no raya, there is a zecher. What does the Pasuk say? We'll see in this Pasuk that shikma and shvela, that the sycamore tree and the shvela, the, the flat grounds, we can see that those are quoted in the same Pasuk as connected to one another. Shinamar, two thirds of the way down by Itena Melchas, Akesef Shabirushalayim, Kavanim, Vesarazim, Nasan, Kishkamim, Asher, Vishvela, the robe. So we see that we define a Shvela by the word Shkamim. What about Simon Laharim, Milin, and Simon Laamakim, Dekalim? Why is it important for us to define that a mountain is defined?
defined by meal and by this tree that grows nuts? And why is it that Amokim are defined by the column, that valleys are defined by an Amek? So says the Gemara, Nafkamina the Bikurim. The difference is as to whether or not these um, trees would be Chayv and Bikurim. Titnan, the Mishnah writes, we're about six lines into the wide lines, Nun Gimel Amaralev. Titnan, the Mishnah writes, Ein Mevin Bikurim El Mishiva Samin. In first parameter, all of the Bikurim can only come from the Shiva Seminim as listed in the Torah. Second of all, the Lomi de Kalim Shebe Harim, not palm trees that grow up on the mountain. No, only the ones that grow down in the Amakim. Lomi Pero Shebe Amakim. And fruits, we don't grow them in the Amakim, we grow them up higher. So basically, what the Mishnah and Shviz is indicating to us is that. Uh, is that vegetation, agricultural things have the appropriate place to grow. So when we said above that it says that simila harimilin and simila amakim dekalim, that that's a real nafkamina in regards to the, the mitzvah of bikurim. Not everything is eligible for bikurim. If you have a palm tree that's growing at a very high elevation, that is exempt from the mitzvah of bikurim. These are nafkaminas midoraisa. What about simon and nachal and kanim? What is the nafkamin in regards to saying that there are reeds by the nachal? So there nafkamin la nachal esam. You know, by the mitzvah of egla rufa, the pasuk says that there should be a nachal esam. How do we define nachal? If there's no kanim, it's not a nachal. So these are again halachic nafkaminas. Simon the shvei the shikma. What is the implications of saying that the flat grounds has a shikma sycamore tree nafkamin? Let's say that I'm selling you a piece of property. I call it a shvela. Shvela by definition has a shikma, and if it doesn't, then it's a then it's a toes. Then it's a toes. It's a mekachu memkar problem, and then. Adds the Gemara as one final line before we get to the Mishnah. It's not only by Shvela. All of the other reasons still apply, but we have a secondary reason that applies to all the previous examples, not the Shvela, but all the other ones, the cases of similar har milin, similar amok, and to call them all the other ones, they have a problem, which is that if I say I'm selling you a har, then that har has to grow milin. If I say that I'm selling you an, an amek, a value, that has to grow, grow to call them. Otherwise, you're in violation of mekachum emkar. We know, of course, uh, as a, a as a um, as a, a, a preparation for this coming Mishnah, that there is an Isser called Shvisas Behemto. We are not allowed to have our, our animals do malacha on Shabbos. So this Mishnah is going to deal with some of those issues. Now, one of the uh, rabbinic injunctions that we have is that you're not allowed to sell a behemagasa. You can't sell a cow to a goy. Uh, we'll see why in based on Rashi in, in a moment, but. What was subject to debate is selling a behemoth daka. What about a smaller animal, a sheep, a goat? It says the Gemara as follows. Makum, the Mishnah, Mishnah, 10 lines, 12 lines from the bottom, nun gimel The Mishnah writes, Makum shenagu limkor behemoth daka lenochrim In a place where it's customary, minhag, to sell smaller animals to a non-Jew, no problem. You're allowed. Makum shenagu limkor ein mochrim. Of course, all of this is in the parak of makum shenagu. What do we do with conflicting minhagim? Yes, no, maybe if I go to your city, am I allowed to use your rules or my rules? We know we're supposed to follow the chumrah. There are exceptions. But everyone agrees, however, you're not allowed to sell a goy, a behemagasa, whether it's a golem, um, smaller animals, shleimim, a totally healthy, full animal, and even an animal that's broken, even an animal that has broken legs and can't walk. Doesn't make a difference. We we don't we don't allow we don't require any, we don't allow for those sales of the behemagasa to a larger animal. So says Rashi here. Rashi explains that the reason why. Let's see it inside. This is the second line uh, of Rashi within the Mishnah. It's about eight lines down in the wide lines. Dibur Hamaschil. Oh, what were we concerned about? Why did we say we cannot sell a behema gasa to a guy? Because if that's allowed, then maybe I can also lend it to the guy. Maybe I could also give it out, uh, you know, to rent it to the guy. 
But if I do that, and then my animal does malacha on Shabbos, I violated shvisas behemto. So the Chachamim instituted a gzera derabanan. They said that when it comes to a behemah gasa, it is an iser derabanan to sell a behemah gasa to a goy, lest you then not sell it, but only rent it or let him borrow it. And that would be a big problem of shvisas behemto on Shabbos. Let's go back into our Mishnah. So we said that you're not allowed to sell a behemah gasa at all. However, uh, Rabbi Huda disagrees with the Tanakama. The Tanakama said that if the animal was shavur and had broken legs, for example, and it couldn't even plow the field, it couldn't even do the shvisas behemto. The Tanakama was of the opinion that there's nothing that that, that that's still problematic. Rabbi Huda matir b'shvura. Rabbi Huda was of the opinion that you are allowed to do a shvura because your concern falls away. Ben b'seira matir b'sus. Ben b'seira altogether says horses are not part of this rabbinic conjunction. Why? Because by and large, the way people utilize horses is that they ride them. And riding a horse is itself an Isser Durabonon. At, at most, it's an Isser Durabonon. We say you can't ride animals because you may break a stick off. Fine. So then if that if the way that we use animals is not to plow fields, if the way we use animals is to ride a horse, so then that itself is, is its own Isser Durabonon. But because of that, it would be gzera gzera to then add that horses also can't be sold like a behemoth gasa because this is the kind of animal that we don't use to, to work the fields. So therefore, Ben Becerra was Matir Basus. He allowed the sale of horses. These are nafkaminas lamaisa. Let's say you're in the cow business. Can you sell a goya cow? I've never sold a cow before, but for people who own them, these are shilas. You can sell meat of a cow. That's fine. That's fine. But can you sell a whole cow to someone knowing that they're going to work the fields? That's an iser derabanan. We don't allow for that because uh, we're concerned that if you think it's permissible to sell a behemagasa to a guy, you might then think that it's permissible to lend or to rent one out. Finishing up the Mishnah, eight lines from the bottom of the page, Nun Gimel Aleph, the Mishnah concludes, in a place where it's customary to eat roasted meat on Pesach, that's fine. But some places had a concern that it looks too much like Kachim, and that's uh, not allowed, or we were concerned about that. So the Gemara opens with the very Halacha Lamaisa. This is actually quoted in Shulchan Aruch exactly like this. I could have photocopied it and brought it to you, but it looks almost exactly like this, almost without change. Amar Rav, Early Amora, he says, You see a, a good slab of meat at the butcher, and you say, This piece of meat, this corned beef, this one's for Pesach. So we say, You're not allowed to do that. Why? Because it appears as though you're being maktish your animal and eating the kachim outside of the mikdash, which would be usher. So it's an appearance, it's a mechze, it looks like a problem. So therefore, you're not allowed to do it. This is only true by meat. However, it's not true by wheat. You are allowed to find the wheat for which, with which you will make your matzah and say, I'm going to set this aside. Why is that allowed? Because that's, you're just, all you're saying is that you're trying, you're not dedicating it to the mikdash. It's not like what, it doesn't look like the Korban Pesach. All you're saying is I'm saving this to make myself matzah. That's fine. But the meat is not allowed. Says the Gemara, Basar Lo? Really? It's not allowed? Well, I have a source in the Tanoim that doesn't seem to agree with you. This was quoted in Brachos, and it's also found in Beitza, uh, in Avraisa, and in Atosefta, three lines from the bottom, Mesve. You said, Rav Papa, that Basar, really, Rav Yehudah Marav, that you're not allowed to dedicate and specify Basar for Pesach. Amar Rav Yossi, Todos Ishromi. There was a man named Todos Ishromi. We'll learn more about him in a, in a few minutes. Hinhig es Romi. He said that you can take an animal and what you can do is you can make it mikulasin. Mikulasin is a reference to taking the fats of the animal and putting it around the head of the animal, which is how the Korban Pesach was roasted. You're allowed to do that on Lele Psachim. Everyone in Rome did this. So that's what, that was normal. So says the Gemara, Kachim um, sorry, skipped a line. Says the Gemara, Shalchulo, the Rabbanim said to Todos, Ishromi, Ilmale Todos, Atav, not for the fact that you were Todos. We don't know what that means. 
are they scared of him? Is he is he a Talmud Chacham? We don't know who this person is. We'll ask that question shortly. Had you not been you, we would have put you into excommunication. Why? You're feeding Yidin. That's not allowed. That's not allowed. So what we were uh, we were talking, what, what did we say in our Mishnah? That you're not allowed to dedicate me. What do you mean you're not allowed to dedicate me? Todos did it. Todos had people eat things that looked exactly like the looked exactly like the Korban Pesach. Says the Gemara first, an, uh, an interrupting question. Kachim sal it's not kachim. Everyone knows it's not kachim. It wasn't even brought in the base of Mikdash. It was in Rome. What are we talking about here? Of course it's uh, of course it's not kachim uh, bachut. Says the Gemara. Ella ema turning to the top of Nungimel on the base. Karov lahachil as Yisrael kachim bachut. It appears it's karov lahachil. Rashi says dome lekachim. It's not like. Uh, it's not like even remotely close, really, in a halachic terms. It's just dome. It looks like, and therefore one should be careful. Anyways, the Gemara says what is implied from the Gemara of Todos, the Bryce of Todos, is that mekulas in when there are the fats around the head of the animal, and it mamish looks like the kachim of the the kachish shlamim of the of the um, um, of the korban pesach. So then mekulas in, but shein mekulas low. So then it implies that shein mekulas that there would be no problem at all had there not been the fats on top of the head. So that's a stira because the opening of our gemara, Rabbi Marav says that you're not allowed to dedicate meat. Here we said as long as there's not no meat, no no fats on the head of the animal, then you are allowed to dedicate the meat as an aside, and we shouldn't be concerned about it. That was todos. So says the gemara. Amre, no bad. That's not a good question. Second answer. Uh, second line, here's the answer to the Gemara. Amri Mikulas. What was the case of Todos? Todos was talking about when the fats of the animal were on top of the head. There, Loshna Amar, Loshna Lo Amar. There, we don't care whether or not you verbally indicate that at that point that uh, you're dedicating it for Pesach with that. Not relevant. What was our case? She'enu Mikulas. What Rehudim Arab was talking about is a piece of meat that's Enu Mikulas. It's not covered in all of the fats. So then, under those circumstances, Piresh in, only if you explicate. You say out loud, so then that's a problem. Low piracial, and if you don't, then uh, then it's not a problem. So we we have supported ourselves in this gemara. Now, uh, elsewhere in Shas, this is a gemara Maseches Menachos, and we're going to learn this now. But I'm just giving you some background because the gemara doesn't present the background. Uh, there is a machlokas. If a person says the following thing, they say about themselves, "Hare alai mincha v'seorim." If a person says that they want to bring a korban mincha, they make a kabbalah, they make a neder of sorts. They say that they want to bring a korban mincha, but they say that it's with seorin, with barley, with barley flour. That's an unacceptable korban mincha. We only bring a korban mincha with chitin. So the Gemara is trying to understand, as we will soon see, do we look at the parts of the sentence? I want to bring a korban mincha, which is an accurate sentence, and one that's halachically viable. But the last word that he said is with barley flour. Do we look at the whole package and say, since the end of the phrase is inaccurate and impossible, so the whole phrase is gone, baby with the bath water? Or do we say the first part of the sentence makes sense and therefore he's chayev to bring a korban mincha? Okay, so he doesn't know, he's not a Tamil chacham, so he said to Seorin, so he's wrong. But still, we still, this is what we call palginan dibura, where a person's um, phrases can be broken up and bifurcated into two. So if I say, I would like to bring a korban mincha with barley flour. First part of my sentence makes sense. The second part of my sentence doesn't. Do we embrace the whole thing and say that he's obligated to bring a korban mincha? Or do we say he doesn't know what he's talking about and the whole thing's a zero? That is subject to a machlokas between Rav Shimon and Rav Yossi. Let's continue in the Gemara. Fourth line down, Nun Gimel Amid Beis. Rav Acha Masni Lalaha Masnisa Kirib Shimon. Rav Acha, he taught the Mishnah about Todos that one is allowed to eat meat, provided that it's just not makulas, that it's not covered in the fats. Maybe that's like the shita of Rib Shimon. Rib Shimon was the one who said that the whole line of the korban mincha is a zero. Namely, until you do the whole thing right, the whole thing is irrelevant. 
You wanted to say that you wanted to obligate yourself in a korban mincha, but you said you said barley flour. You don't know what you're talking about, so it's a zero. Similarly, Todo said you have an animal that's not makulas, not close enough. Throw it's totally mutter. So that's the comparison. Then maybe we should say that our Mishnah of Todos, our Bryce of Todos, is similar to the Shita of Rib Shimon in regards to the korban mincha. Says the Gemara Maskif Law Rib Sheshes Bishlamalamandatani I understand the Shita of Rib Yosi. Rib Yosi, when it comes to the sugi of korban mincha, he says that we embrace the first part of your phrase that says, I want to bring a korban mincha. And even though the second part of your phrase makes no sense because you said you wanted to do it with barley flour, it doesn't make a difference because we embrace the first part. So what does that mean? That when you do something partway, it is valuable, which means that when you take the korban Pesach or you take an animal, the gdi, you take that animal, even without the makulas, so then it's still valid, in which case, uh, that would uh, that would make sense according to Toto. So I could understand the comparison of the sheet of Rabiosi by Korban Mincha with the sheet of Todos. Both of them did partial things and they were held accountable. That makes sense. How could it be? Rib Shimon was of the opinion that it was a zero. Until you do the whole thing right, it's totally fine. And here you didn't do the whole thing right because the implication of the Bryce of Todos was that if it's not Makulas, then there's no problem at all. So says the Gemara, hold on one second. That doesn't make sense. The Mishnah writes in regards to the Korban Mincha that you would try to do with barley. The way that you made your Nadava was incorrect. That's not how you make an adava by a korban mincha. You don't know what you're talking about. If you say hare alai mincha, hare alai the hakrav of a mincha b'se'orin, you're an amaretz. You're you're a zero. You don't know what you're talking about. The whole thing's rejected. So says Igmar. Rav Shimon doesn't make any sense. So Omar later Ravina the Ravashi uman demasti la kraviosi minicha. It doesn't work even according to Raviosi. Even according to Raviosi, the alignment of the sugya from Todos, uh, the uh, person who said that as long as it's not makulas, you're good to go. So according to that. Rabbi Yossi also doesn't fit because Rabbi says, Rabbi Shimon, who over here by the sugya of Korban Mincha, takes Rabbi Yossi's shita and applies it to Todos. So he doesn't agree with himself, his own shita. He, he separates himself. In other words, the sugya of um, the sugya that we're talking about, about Basra that looks like Kachim and the sugya of Korban Mincha, they're not comparable to one another. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon takes Rabbi Yossi's shita and he applies it to the world of Todos. Even, even, even if he says the wrong thing at the end, he says it's barley flour, Nispas, he's going to be trapped up. He's going to be stuck in, in keeping the net there, being obligated to bring a korban mincha. So there we see that that's more similar to, to Todos. Rabbi Yossi Nami, Savarla, Sorry, skip the line. My love, isn't it true? Me the Rib Shimon Savarlaka Rabyosi, the Rib Shimon holds like Rabyosi, then maybe Rabyosi Nami Savarlaka Rib Shimon. Maybe Rabyosi, who over here by Korban Mincha says that Palgin and Dibura, we do split up your speech and we do say that you be chayv in a korban. So too, it might be problematic with the meat. Wouldn't we say that by the meat he would switch his mind to hold like Rib Shimon because they're reversing their sheet as low, says the Gemara. Rib Shimon Savarlaka Rabyosi, Rib Shimon does hold like Rabyosi, Rib Shimon, who over here by the world of Korban Mincha says that until you say everything right, you've said nothing right. But when it comes to Todos, he would agree to Rabiosi's opinion that you did part of it correct, which means he'd have a problem with uh, that, he, that this would work for Todos. That's good. But says the Gemara to close out this section below Rabiosi, Savarlaka Rab Shimon. However, Rabiosi does not flip his shita to say that he holds like Rab Shimon. And therefore, the Mishnah that we, the Brisa that we have in the name of Todos could very well be within the shita of Rabiosi 
from the world of Korban Mincha. Ibailahu, who is this person, Todos? We're one third of the way down in Gimel Amad We're going to be going all the way down to the very last line of the page. Todos Ishromi Gavra Rabahava, Obal Egrofen Hava. Was he a Gavra Rabba? Was he a great man, a Tamar Chacha? Was he a wise person, a Tana? Or was he a Baal Egrof, an Egrof, uh, an angry person? He's got a, he, he, he rules with a strong fist. What kind of person was he? So Tashma, I'll give you a beautiful answer, says the Gemara one third of the way down. Oh, Zu Darash Todos Ishromi. He had another Drasha. Ma Ra'u Hananya, Mishael Azaria, Shemasur Atman Al Kedusha Sashem, Lakibshan Ha'esh. We know the famous story that Hananya, Mishael, and Azariah jumped into a Kibshan Ha'esh al Kiddush Hashem. Okay, where did they get that from? So it says the Gemara, Nasu Kal V'chomer Ba'atam We They learned it from the frogs, right? Huh? That's an unbelievable thing. What? Well, <laughs> Beautiful. It always aligns. Matzvardeim she'ein mitzuvin al Kiddush Hashem. Obviously, frogs don't have a tzivui. About uh, about being mekadesh shem shemayim with their lives, obviously not. But by them it said in your house, in your ovens, and in the pots. When are the pots near the oven? That's when the oven is hot. That's when the oven is very hot. So they made a kal v'chomer. Anu, we human beings, bnei Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, shemitzuvin al kedushas We do have a tzivui to be mekadesh. Shem Shemayim Birabim, and under God forbid circumstances, we would be obligated uh, to to uh, sacrifice our lives under the appropriate circumstances. So says the Gemara. Anu Shemitzuvin Al Kedushas Hashem Alachas Kama Vekama. All the more so if the frogs were doing it, all the more so we should be doing it. Remarkable Kal B'Chomer on a lot of levels. Uh, it's Omer Dorsheni, and that we need to understand exactly what's going on here, but not for now. Nevertheless, that's where they learned it from. Uh, and unrelated, says the Gemara, Rabbi Yossi bar Avin Omar, He would give a lot, he would fill the pockets of the Talmud Chachamim. The Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, If a person fills the pockets of those who are Talmud Chachamim, they will be Zochet to sit in the Yeshiva Shalmala. A wonderful privilege, a wonderful privilege. Okay, good question. Who should sit and learn? Good. But nevertheless, that's what it means. Shene Amar, as the Apostle says, Beautiful. So as mentioned uh, briefly, there is a, uh, uh, a collection of Inuyim on Yom Kippur that one is not allowed to do. And one of them is Tash Meshamita for a married couple, that there's an Isra of Tash Meshamita. The couple should not be together. So for those who have accustomed to light a candle, to remind the couple not to be Meshamish Mitasa Madlikin, if that's the Minog, then great, then they should continue and light that candle. But if the place where you live, the custom is not to light that candle on Yom Kippur, so the halacha is then one should not be Madlik. Opposite customs. However, everyone agrees to the following. However, everyone agrees that in shul there should be candles, in the base medrash there should be candles, in dark alleyways there should be candles, and by cholim that there should be candles. So it says the Gemara, let's analyze this a little bit. Tana, both minhagim, both minhagim and our Mishnah, that one of them which says you should light a candle by Yom Kippur to remind the couple about Tash Meshamit, the one says that you should not. Everyone was saying the same thing. And in fact, Amr of Yeshua, Dorash Rabba, Ba'anech Kulam Sadikim, Lolam Yeshua, Retzvah Gomer, Bein Sha'amr Lahadlik, Bein Sha'amr Shalom Lahadlik, Shem, Lo Niskavin, Lo Dabrechad. Everyone agrees to the same exact thing. Let's take a look at Rashid. 
Rashi, three lines down in the wide lines, the first Rashi on the Gemara, Rashi says, Bein Sha'amr lahadlik, Osan shenoagu lahadlik, v'noagin shelo lahadlik, both of them, the ones who have the custom to light and the ones who have the custom not to light. Lo niskavnu elo ledaber echad lehafrish atzmo mimishkevei isha, that uh, just to make sure that husbands and wives would not be together, ha'omrim lahadlik mishum de'in adam mishamish mitasa le'or haner, there's a well-known din quoted in, uh, in Shulchan Aruch that a couple should not be should not have tashmish shamita when there's a lot of light. Uh, we know, of course, as qualified in the Meforshim and in the Shulchan Aruch that you can be ma'apil with the talisa. One could cover, uh, the couple could cover themselves with a blanket. That would then be appropriate. Um, and the other shita was the other way. The other option says, well, if there is a candle, then, I, then, a, then a man can see his wife and be attracted to her. And then that may instigate uh, instigate Tashma Shamita. So both of these minhagim were oriented around the same exact concept, which was to prevent one from violating, violating one of the Chamesh Sinim. But it's a minhag, it's a minhag. I, the prevalent minhag nowadays is to light a candle um, in a safe way to remind the couple about uh, about uh, the Isurim of Tashma Shamita on Yom Kippur. Says the Gemara, uh, Gemara about uh, lighting candles on uh, Saturday night. Amar Rabbi Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Ein Mevarachen al Ha'or, the only time in Havdalah that we make the bracha that is on Motzei Shabbos, but not on Yom Kippur. Because, because that's when fire was created. So we commemorate the fact that fire was created on Motzei Shabbos by weekly, by saying, and then we look at the post say, you look at the reflection off of your nails because you're, when you're looking at it, the Hanah is not that you can see the candle, it's that you can see it lighting something else up. So when you're looking at your nails, so some of the Meforshim say it's a simon of achdus when you take your hand and you put it up like this, so all of your fingers are uneven. But when you fold your hands down and hold it up to the light, all of your nails are exactly, they're all the same height. So this is a simon of achdus. You have Jews who have plenty of different kinds of Jews. When you look in the light, all of the Jews are are banim are, lamakum. Are, are, so the Gemara says that that's our Rebbe uh, Shmuel, that that's our custom. Amar lei ha'hu saba v'iteima rabba barbarachana yasher. This is correct. V'chein amar Rabbi Yochanan that this is correct. However, there was another version of Rabbi Yochanan that seemed to imply, and we'll learn this by the story, it's not written explicitly in the Gemara, but the story certainly implies as much, that Rabbi Yochanan was of the opinion that we don't only make the bracha borim ereha eish on Motzei Shabbos, but we also do so on Motzei Yom Kippur. What's the story? We are approximately 10 lines from the bottom of the page, says the Gemara, Ula was traveling on a donkey. Rabbi Abba was to his right. So you had Rabbi Abba, and then you had Rabbi Yochan, then you had Ula, and then you had Rabbi Barbarachana. Rabbi Abba all the way on the right says to the man in the middle, he says to Ula, Vadai de Amrisu, I know that it was definitely said, Mishmeh de Rav Yochanan, Ein Mivarchan al Haor el Bamotse Shabbos, Hol Vitchilas Briyaso, who isn't it definitely the case that that's what was said? So um, here's the problem here in the backdrop that Mephorshim write is that Ula learned from Rabbi Abba's question that Rabbi Barbarchana had said something wrong. So he turned and looked at Rabbi Barbarchana. Hadar Ula, Chaza baby Rabbi Barbarchana Bishus. He looked at him with a, with a negative face. He's like, what, what are you talking about? That's not how Rabbi Yochanan holds. Rabbi Yochanan holds that you do say a bracha on Motzei Yom Kippur. Amar lei, ana lava ha'amrei. No, 
No, I know that Rabbi Yochanan says it's mutter to, not mutter, that it's the din that we shouldn't say, I know he says that. My comment that I said to Rabbi Abba was about something else. That when Yom Kippur and Shabbos intersect, when they overlap, that you do light candles. No, you don't light candles. You don't light candles at that time. Now I understand what you're talking about. Now I understand what you're talking about. Rashi, two lines from Vedam, Adate, Zosti, Hiebezu, Ani Modesh, Amar of Yochanan, that I agree to. So uh, basically, the conclusion of the Gemara seems to be that Rabbi Yochanan was Abiyopin, that we do talk a light, a candle on Motse Yom Kippur. We will start in Mir Tashem tomorrow night from Kari Ale Rav Yosef on the bottom line of Nun Gimel Amid Beis. Wishing you all a beautiful night. Yeah. All right.